Podcast, the most heretical podcast about the New Jedi Order. I'm your host, Rocky, and with me are my co-hosts, Megan and Bria. This month, we'll be talking about Destiny's Way by Walter John Williams, in which Berger is constantly snacking. Bioweapons are really, really bad news, and it's a trap! So grab your billet, tune in, and enjoy the show. As a reminder, here on the Vongcast, we don't talk about spoilers for future books in the series, but we do go through today's book pretty thoroughly, so if you haven't read it yet, pause this recording, go read the book, and then come back and join us. <sighs> How is everyone tonight? Trying not to sneeze. <laughs> you asked! I, I'm good. I've been in three time zones in the last week. But despite that, I'm pretty much awake, so that's nice. Well, I feel much better about having just gotten home from work and life about 20 minutes ago, so awesome! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are, um, like the New Jedi Council, a little bit all over the place, but we have things together. Can I? Uh, You you mean the half-Jedi Council. Are we picking yes. members of the council to be? Because if we do, I would like to be Kipter on. <laughs> <laughs> we can. I can I be Relikiaka? She just seems she just seems nice and has a level head on her furry shoulders. I just I just want to lose. I just want to lose it and yell, "How dare you!" Skywalker <laughs> to punch Luke in the nose, and everybody seems to think it's a reasonable idea. <laughs> Getting in line to punch Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and I will never, ever have the correct sense of humor to be Saba, but I can always hope. <laughs> Rocky just hissing in the background. <laughs> no. <laughs> <sighs> I think we need an intro for this book today. This is the quickest read of a long book I've ever done. Yeah, it was yeah. very, very long. It was yeah. long, but it went super fast, which is weird. Oh, man, this one did not go fast for me. The end did. Like, it sped up very fast, but I had some trouble with this one. Yeah. Did you mean summary? Yeah, I think we need one of those. Am I reading it again? Nobody else has your dramatic flair for it. <laughs> Thank you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should I read? I'm going to read the red part today, too. Why? Because I can. All right. The time of reckoning is at hand as the heroes of the New Republic prepare for their their most volatile clash yet with the enemy from without and within. In the war against the ruthless Yuzen Vong, the fall of Coruscant leaves the galaxy on the verge of bowing to conquest. Those who steadfastly refuse to consider surrender, Luke, Han, Leia, and their children and comrades-in-arms, are determined to seize victory against overwhelming odds. But the New Republic is crumbling, divided by internal strife, and intrigue runs rampant in the heated political race for chief of state, in the shadows where Yuzen Vong spies plot assassinations, and in the scrutable creature Vergere, a Jedi whose allegiance is impossible to predict. Now, as Luke Skywalker sets about re-establishing the Jedi Council, the growing faction opposed to the ways the Force unveils a terrifying weapon designed to annihilate the Yuzenvong species. The opposition must be stopped before dooming the New Republic to become the very thing it is sworn to fight against, and unleashing 
the power of the dark side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can just imagine Verger's speech in response to being called inscrutable. I feel like you have an analysis of that. Like, what uh, you yes. scrutinize is dependent on your own point of view or something. I was going to yes. say she just keeps snacking, but... Yes, she's she's sitting there with like a box of takeout or something and <laughs> yes. making snarky comments. Seriously, she spent this entire book eating. <laughs> Is the part it's... where Jason's like she has a more than healthy appetite or something or more than no, it's not more than healthy. It's like he emphasizes that she has like an unstoppable uh <laughs> desire for snacks. <laughs> Yeah, this turned into, like, a long Twitter conversation with Odie where I ended up with pretty entertaining mental images of Berger attempting the equivalent of Jedi mind-tricking some chef into making her food. <laughs> Good. She hasn't had human food for 50 years. Yeah, and based on what we've heard of Yuzhan Vong food, I kind of don't blame her for being hungry. <laughs> I just like food. Yeah. It is so good, guys. Yeah. And takeout would be exceptionally amazing to Verger because it would come in plates that aren't alive. Yeah, your plate is not trying to share your dinner with you. Yes. Mm, that's amazing. Good. And that's probably a very real concern. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Yeah, this was a long book with a lot going on and not just all of the entertaining little parts. Like all the Jedi, all the uh, older generation turning around and banging every five minutes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I did not. Re- I forgot there was so much. Uh... Hey. I forgot hey, there hey, was so much of. Uh... Part of me wants to describe it as like glad to be alive sex, but I don't know. <laughs> and all it was just like, did I miss this when I was like 15, 16? Maybe. Who knows? I think ironically, I just ironically, this is also one of the first books in the New Jedi Order that has Mara go off on her own and like do a mission that has nothing to do with Luke, which I enjoyed. Yes, she is perfectly well effective on her own, and sometimes she is better off left unsupervised, and sometimes I wish the authors would remember that. Yeah. But also, uh, kind of going back to what I was saying about how I forgot how many, hey, hey, farm boy, or excuse me, <laughs> hey, 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 master, things there were going on in here. I just forgot this is where Berger dies. <laughs> so I got to that part and I was like, oh, huh, she's dead. Right. Oops. Yeah, Foreshadowing I for... I was very surprised in my first reading of this book how fast she ended up dead. Yeah. It's foreshadowing for episode eight because she does the whole you don't know she's dead until you realize she's a force projection thing. Oh. Yep. Yep. Huh. Like she's chatting with Jason a little and then Jason says, wait a minute, you're dead, right? (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't remembered that part very well because I was wondering whether she'd like put, because she crashes the starship into the into the side of the building. And I had been like, wait, did she put the ship on autopilot? But then how did she get there? And then there's that realization of like, oh, she did the force projection and just kind of uh, easily slid into the Jedi battle meld. Yup. She just, 
she just kind of dropped into to it and like, hi, I'm here. Sorry about the mess. <laughs> Her icon pops You're up dead. on the Skype call. <laughs> yes, yes. And everyone's like, wait a minute, aren't you dead? <laughs> it's it was pretty entertaining. Her shenanigans throughout this book were more than funny enough. <laughs> it was interesting. There was both really good Verger philosophy in this book. I like how much she influenced Luke. And then there was also these moments where she was played like basically as a Muppet. You know, she, she was very yes. comedic. And it seems like as she tells her story of how she ended up with Yu Bong, it seems like comic relief slash living stuffed animal has kind of been her survival mechanism and she's just very good at taking full advantage of being a cute feathery little thing it's very yoda like in a way oh, yeah. where she uses that um so that people underestimate her or that people think she's just this funny little thing they this author kept describing her knees <laughs> which <laughs> did not happen in traitor and i was like I don't understand, like, she has reverse-jointed knees, but also they stick up behind her, like, ears? I had trouble picturing how that works. <laughs> okay, the mental images I'm getting are just kind of confused. <laughs> yeah, it's very confusing. Like, thoughts on how I wanted to do this. Wow, I do not have the attention span to do this podcast in a coherent order. Awesome! We just kind of uh, skipped ahead to the Vergera part, which is... Did I mean go we could here. we could let that semi logically flow into my what is the role of the Jedi question? Yeah, I, I have like, stuff to say about that too. So oh, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the role of the Jedi, guys. <laughs> Apart from a truly impressive amount of sex and <laughs> eating everything in sight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> For Jer disapproves of this, and there were two like interesting things that I thought about her philosophy, one of which I think maybe you're going to get into a little bit later about what she says to Luke about the dark side. And then there's also the fact that while she kind of disagrees with a lot of older public um, ideas about what the light side and the dark side are, she's very firm on the idea that Jedi should not have children. And I thought her like unexpected strong feelings about that and her rationalization that that would create Jedi dynasties that the government would see as a threat was very interesting. Yeah. Especially in light of so much political drama. Yeah, because like is she wrong? Isn't a Jedi dynasty kind of threatening the the not threatening the election, but it is a divisive uh, concept in in the New Republic, which is slowly transforming into something else. Whether yeah. or not it's aware that it's transforming or collapsing into something else. It is at the very end. They bring up the GFFA thing at the very end, which always delights me. Yes. Because they, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if that's common knowledge or not, that the, I think it's Galactic... Federation of Free Alliances is the same acronym as Galaxy Far, Far Away, which I always just found super charming. I always thought it was common knowledge, but I thought it was kind of a cute little thing as soon as I first noticed it. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. So We're what all are... from, like, Star Wars corners of the internet. Our version of common knowledge is probably not actual common knowledge. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Berger's philosophy? 
in this book particularly. Ooh. Like towards the towards the older public Jedi or just her philosophy in general? Well, um, Rocky, I don't know if you had a different direction you wanted to go with this. The part that was most interesting to me was her idea about um, kind of where the dark side comes from and, and the mindset you need to avoid it um, and how different that was from Luke's. But that's just the thing that struck me. I think that really struck me a little bit because a lot of Luke's philosophy about the dark side to me makes more sense in light of his experiences and the fact that his training as a Jedi is something that Berger would look at him like, wait a minute, and how did you actually become a master like that? (laughs) (laughs) Because Luke is like, I have a feeling that if Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi had had more time and space to train Luke, they probably would have gone about things very differently. But <laughs> necessity, necessity kind of happened. And like Roger is from a, from just a very different fundamental place of the Jedi. And like Luke's philosophy makes more sense in light of his experiences. And you also have to kind of wonder how much that Roger says about her philosophy is honest. How much, Hmm. like, is there a chance that she could just be bluntly lying because she could tell them that some moon is made of green cheese and they might believe it because, well... (laughs) Is she playing a part now the same way she did for the Yusun Vong? I think the only thing... So my question for that is, like, what is her motivation if she's lying to Luke or manipulating him? And I think the one person that she wouldn't lie to is Jason. And this book does a good job of showing how she treats him differently from other Jedi. But so, like, what would her motivation be? Like, is her long game to form that Jedi Council plus others? Or is it something else? I don't think it's that. I don't don't really think it is. It's really hard to tell. It seems that her loyalty is, regardless of what she says, it's to her and Jason and whatever we hear of her worldview. Yeah, and that's why I don't necessarily think she's lying to Luke. I think she's building on her own experiences and and talking about what the mindset you need to do dark side things without becoming a dark side person. Um, I really liked the part where she said that um, Luke thinks serenity comes from absence of passion, and Verger thinks that serenity comes from self-knowledge. And that she could have developed that idea while she was with the Yusun Bong, because she kind of had nothing to rely on except herself. And she came to a new understanding of the Force through that self-knowledge. So to me, that philosophy really follows what we know from her. Um, Some of the conversation with Luke felt a little bit like a gotcha or like a shortcut. The part um, where Roger says basically, "Weren't, weren't you, like, wasn't Luke aggressive against the Empire, felt kind of like it was not a sincere question like it was getting at something deeper um and i think maybe that's like a good proof that she was just trying to catch him off guard but i also think she was sincere in what she was saying in general about uh how she feels about self-knowledge i also think that a lot of her questions to luke about his actions with the empire and things like that it feels like a lot of that is almost her kind of i want to hear it from you 
how you view these things and why you see the force the way you do. Mm. It seemed more like she was kind of picking his brain a little bit about how did you come to your conclusions. Yeah, so this book, um, more so than others in the series do, although I think they have all have it in a way, felt a little bit like a series of arguments to me. And some of those arguments were more interesting than others. Um, some of the conversations the characters had in this book, especially early on, felt to me a lot like forum posts. <laughs> like, who would win if the Empire fought the Yusun Vong? Or, like, what would happen to the chain of command if a Jedi joined a regular military unit? All those Actually, questions... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, those questions felt, like, weirdly hardware-focused to me. Um, I don't necessarily think that was, like, a terrible thing, but it was something that I think was unique to this book. Did that strike either of you? Yeah, yeah, in hindsight, absolutely. For some reason, it's bringing back all sorts of memories of my wretched teenage years spent on the Force.net. And... Yeah. The amount of arguments I accidentally stumbled into, or not so accidentally. Yeah, it does bring back a lot of those kinds of memories, actually. I'm usually just too busy snickering at the nostril of Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that this was the book where we got that part. That was, was perfect. And for some reason, I thought that it was, like, in conversation with Either I think it's in conversation with Pelion, or my brain thinks it's an Alston line. But no, it's not an Alston line, but it's a very Alston-y line. It is! Yeah. It is an Ohan trying to be nice through a formal dinner. Oh. Yeah. He gets the nice big gold you tried sticker. <laughs> the other thing, the quip that I liked, if we're talking about, like, solo quips is uh leia's professional disapproval of jaina jag where she says yes. having an imperial baron in the family would cause far too many complications yes <laughs> i don't want to hear it from leia oh crap my dad is actually darth vader organa solo <laughs> <laughs> and remind uh, remember that we're in the universe where han thought he was royalty for a while possibly several times Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reconcile Solo exists now. <laughs> oh, God, that's... Oh, boy. Oh, <sighs> yeah. <Yeah>, there... <laughs> so that's there all I have to say about Roger. <laughs> a lot of really good quips in this book. And yes, somebody dragged me away from Roger before I lose track of time again. Well, let's go back to the beginning of the notes. Uh... <laughs> Oh, oh, right. Politics on both sides. Tons of drama. <laughs> I I love it. I, I do, too. It I feels think... like middle school drama, except I'm not in the middle of it anymore. No, no. See, it's not middle school drama to me. It's it always makes me think of this trilogy of books I really like that haven't necessarily aged well. But in the third book of the trilogy, they spend a lot of time trying to rig the election for this world's version of the Pope. It involves <laughs> all it involves all of the the maneuvering of okay, how can we get this person here? We have to get all of the numbers and okay, can we bribe this person to flip and then give our dude his support? And then you just have Quo with his three votes. <laughs> and and then there's Quo. 
And those just make me laugh a lot for whatever reason. Um, I think my other favorite part is that you have Lando and Card just being like, you don't want to know. Just just roll with it. We're just we're going to make things happen. If you don't know what's happening, you can't pretend like you don't know what's happening because you don't know what's happening. <laughs> Even though absolutely everyone who has any common sense is probably like, well, I'm pretty sure they're influencing the election. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Everyone, oh, in the big scheme of things, that level of corruption is positively minor in all likelihood. I mean, well, they're, they're bribing them for a good cause. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Lando's like, I'm going to give you all these supplies for free. What you do with them is up to you, wink. And then everyone does bad things with them, and Lando just watches. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. My favorite, my other favorite in that is the guy who like knows he's being bribed and doesn't even try to play coy about it and just flat up asks for the value of the supplies. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's ballsy, dude. I think this the politics stuff was not riveting, but also it is impressive that it kind of flowed as fast as it did. I found this book to be generally a little bit slow, but the scenes were really well structured, and for a book that is quite long there's not a lot of flab in these scenes all of them push the story forward somehow yeah yeah i think the book would have gone a lot slower for me if you didn't have if you didn't have the fun of someone like card and then like we were talking about before mara solo adventures Mm -hmm. in the middle of things yep yeah i was surprised at how fast this book went despite it being so big and I think a lot of it was some really great little quotes, all of the fun and intrigue and shenanigans. And every time we head back to the Yuzhanbang side, oh, surprise, the world brain is busy trolling all of them. <laughs> and Naminor is just trying to hold things together. And every time he thinks he has things together, he ends no. up with an itching plague or <laughs> a flood of filth. <laughs> Okay, because of Jason. Sewage back up in the middle of a sacrifice. I just completely lost it at that scene. <laughs> it's the itching that just gets me. I, <laughs> I don't know why that scene just makes you laugh so hard. It's just, it's just, like, it, is, it should be such a minor thing, and it's actually a very big, embarrassing annoyance. I well, think if you're awesome. above this, why are you scratching your leg? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really funny because it slowly dawns on you that it's happening to all of them. And like yes, they've and, all just been trying not to for an hour. Just sitting there itching and being like, nah, nah, I'm the only one who can actually scratch and without anybody caring. Also, like this this entire all of the Yushanbong scenes, all of the meetings with Shimra. There, there's somewhere in my notes where I have a note about Savong La and Naminor now in the Get Along shirt. Yes. <laughs> hey, artsy people. One more challenge for you. <laughs> and we have a lot more descriptions of Shimra now. We know that he's huge and likes to use rainbows in his decor and has sort of these like blind eye implants that are also rainbows. It's very, it's very memorable. Yep. <laughs> And, oh, High Priest Jakan, who has to make an announcement that these are all of the things that qualify as heresy, and therefore you should 
none of them. And the heretics find out that, oh, now they actually know what they should be doing if they want to be proper heretics. Yeah. Isn't that that one of the arguments against D.A.R.E. that it, like, basically tells you how to find drugs if you don't know how? I feel like that was a conversation. Maybe it was just a dumb conversation I read on the internet, but that's what this reminds me of. No, I think you're right. I never took D.A.R.E. and I never knew how to find drugs, so... (laughs) Now you'll never join the Jedi worshipping cult. I decided to be on the Jedi Council. (laughs) <laughs> I, I really how, yeah I just love positively how Nominor says you know what these heretics need some organization and then <laughs> Jakan says here are all the things you should not do and the heretics go cool now we know what to do yes <laughs> like I really wow this is like comic like comic villain stupidity and it's so hilarious it, it parallels the very early role that Nominor had where he was creating these uh, fanatics. And I really enjoy the scene where he goes to the, the Jedi Ano- Anonymous meeting because it reminds me so much of his initial kind of attacks on, uh, oh, I don't remember the name of the system, but the one where he was the prophet. And he's basically like, man, I did such a better job than these people are doing. They need a prophet. Yup. <laughs> Nominor thing. Oh, he's, he's like, I am a professional and you are all amateurs. I also yeah. love the fake name he comes up with. Yes. It yeah. was, I was like, this name is supposed to be silly, right? Like, this has to be silly. I love, I love how his skills at deception and infiltration and so on, he's just like, oh crap, should not be at the Shaper place. Hi, I'm looking for Hooli Crack. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's much funnier when you say it out loud. <laughs> I'm going to fall off my chair laughing at the rate I'm going, but I'm also very glad that this book had so much surprise humor in it. Because <laughs> well, he uses it there. He's like, I'm looking for this person. And he talks to a female warrior, which I thought was kind of cool. And then later, he's like, Hello, I'm Hooli Craig. <laughs> And they're like, wait a minute. Very <laughs> yeah. It, wow. Just, there are so many entertaining little Yuzhanbong parts here and there. And somehow, like, they're normally not comic relief at all. And suddenly seeing them be funny just kind of made my day. I'm glad you're pointing this out because I did read this book in a bit of a rush, so it wasn't as funny when I was reading it for the first time, but I'm vicariously experiencing it through you. (laughs) I also like how when that one shaper casually mentions, yeah, like the gods have not seen fit or Shimra has not seen fit to share with us the uh, the secrets of the eighth cortex, Naminor is instantly like, yeah, that means it doesn't exist. He's like, he knows liars so well, and he's nope. planned this kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's immediately like, oh, that's a fib. <laughs> Which, yeah. at first I was like, that's a really sudden revelation. And then I thought about who was involved, and it made more sense. Mm-hmm. Like, no one knows a liar of, like a liar. Uh, like, Nominor is basically a professional liar, plus, like, He's probably had experiences where, look, if you're told that Shimra hasn't seen fit to reveal the thing yet, that thing does not exist. And that's a pretty good excuse for whatever. 
like you know that excuse has totally been used before for other yeah, things yeah. especially I mean, I like like, like, like political stuff and like yeah uh Shimura does not think we need to know that just yet he's basically an atheist I mean Naminor I think Naminor figured out in this book like he kind of accepted a little bit more of it like whether or not he knew it he was pretty clearly an atheist all along but I think in this book he finally realized he finally went oh yeah right oh right I don't actually believe because he probably heard that Oshimura hasn't seemed fit to reveal that in the case of where, like, clearly the person just doesn't know the answer to the yeah. question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. We get a look into both Naminor's, uh ideas about religion and Nen Yim's ideas about religion. And I actually thought that Nen Yim was characterized kind of weirdly here. I don't think... I don't necessarily think that this author paid a ton of attention to the books with Tahiri and Nenyam, because both of them didn't really act the way I thought they would. And Nenyam, it says that she has respect for the gods. And I remember her being agnostic at best. Yeah, she's uh, decently a... She's fairly devout atheist. (laughs) It sounds like she's not closed entirely to the idea, but she's... Yeah, she she was, like, weirdly deferential to them. And I know she's not as far, like, in the atheist direction as Mezhan Quad, but she's still, like, science above all. And I don't think she was written as that in her her brief appearance in this book. Like, her characterization wasn't key, but it was key to me, so I noticed it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did feel a little, little off there. I'll have I more like to say wasn't. about Takiri, but yeah, I don't want to get us too far away. I feel like there wasn't Sorry, enough Maria. of... No, it's okay. I feel like there wasn't enough of Nen Yim in this for me to really get that particular read. And I was too distracted by... I could never pronounce his stupid name. You'll have um, to be more specific. Uh, um, um... Unimi? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Listen, it's just a series of like humpy letters. I can't. <laughs> Our favorite court jester. <laughs> yeah, that a dude. Uh, it's, it's the humpy letters and some eyes tossed in there. I just can't. My brain isn't that anymore. Um. Oh, I can't say this without spoilers. Moving Never on. Never mind. Carry on. Yep. There are multiple things in this book that have made me want to yell about spoilery things, so... Well, let's... I mean, we can do this anyway. The, the very end of the book has Shimra's point of view for the first time, which is very, I actually very love that last which, chapter. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And, it like, the, the kind of sensibility he has almost feels like the forest, which is neat and something that we can keep in mind for the future. Just, like... That little bit of his viewpoint there and just that whole end scene, like they're gambling against the odds and can only laugh in response was my note. You've betrayed and used the gods. Perhaps they now betray you in return. And just like that whole scene, I feel like was such a great character moment there. Yes, I'm glad we've gotten more of him and more and more of the history of the Yusun Bong. Yes, the more we hear, like, the more of the history that we get, it almost feels like they make more and more sense the more you get of their history, and I like getting a lot more things set on Yuzhantar, seeing so many more of them around. Because, wow, they moved it fast. (laughs) Yeah, and I also feel like he sort of had to 
if they hadn't given us something of his point of view, it would have been a little rough since we did lose uh, to Zong Law this book. Yep. And Nominor mm, is now uh, Nominoring on his own. Um, <laughs> I feel like otherwise we wouldn't have had anyone to really give us the Yuzen Bong point of view. And Nominor runs away more than Grievous did in the Clone Wars. Can he spider run like Grievous? I hope not. I really hope not. He's <laughs> favorite thing in Battlefront too. <laughs> so to kind of go back to the New Republic stuff, um, we do get that bit about the genetic change in the Usanbong, where there's like a one gene that's unique to all of them, which gets into Agent Orange. I mean, Alpha Red. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Biological super weapons are wrong. Yeah. So is yeah. genocide. <laughs> Yes. But and like so does our cry. But yeah. the Bothans are just doing their own thing right now. Yeah. Actually, okay, so the thing I don't like about this is with the Bothan Archai is I don't mind that in concept because the Bothans the Bothans are the Bothans. And I'm just like, it sort of makes sense that actually, hold on, no wait. Again, genocide bad. Got got that. Um but I don't like that it's Crayfay. Because he's so cool in the beginning of the series. I, I always love his comment to Gavin about, like, do you require a planet? Or, like, do you need a planet for each of your children? Like, when I start my new empire. And I like that, Crayfe. And then you get the one here who's just all on this, nope, guys, we're doing genocide now. And I'm just, it's, it just makes me sigh a lot. In addition to the genocide is bad, guys. Let's not. He almost becomes... Hux for a minute there. He gives this really loud yelly speech. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm imagining Hux going, I want all of you to think today, every single day, how can I hurt the resistance? And I can't do <laughs> your kids. I can't do a Hux voice. I've now learned this. Okay, this is unfortunate. Um <laughs> Don't worry, I can do positively no accents of any sort whatsoever really random aside but whenever i wear my first order uniform for like troops i get the weirdest not quite accent accent when i'm telling people to you know please enjoy this film about the glory of the first order and it's borderline british but it's also not and it's very strange <laughs> you needed to know that i don't know why i decided to say this on the new jedi order podcast but anyways <laughs> Well, that but could be anyways, one of the arguments. Would the First I, Order win against the Yusun Vong? No. no. Something, <laughs> They're something too small. Nostril of Palpatine. <laughs> nostril <laughs> Snoke, damn it. I can hear that in Poe's voice so easily. Now we're really uh, into the weeds. Oh no! Now I now you've seen the you've seen the drawing of what Ray and Finn and Poe were doing in preparation for the Last Jedi, and Poe's eating like Greedo's like the little Cheeto things with chopsticks. Yes, yes. <laughs> for sure, sitting next to him with her own chopsticks, reaching in to grab a few. Yes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so to to kind of get back to the new Jedi Order here, let's um. <laughs> 
let's talk about this part about the turning point for the military. So there is quite a lot of space battles in this, and um, I thought they were kind of boring, to be honest. But there were a lot of them. There were one of my favorite things, which is when pilots get killed and they don't even know what hit them. It was that real, like, fog of war chaos, and I really like that, even if usually I like it with slightly different writing style. Um I enjoyed the fact that Kip has a squadron again, and I just really want to hear the conversations about giving Kip a squadron again, because I feel like there must have been some, and we don't get to hear them. There must have been some very angry conversations saying things that we try not to say on Bongcast. (laughs) Yeah. I also love how... I actually really like how, like, the chaos and the fury of battle is so well captured like Jaina has no idea what's going on half the time and like how how much confusion there is and just how you're in kind of your own little world even if you're dimly aware of what's happening outside of it I feel so bad for Jaina in this book yeah that girl just needs she needs a vacation I'm sorry Jason you are not the only solo twin who deserves a vacation Jaina needs a vacation, and it seems like everyone has been just trying to tell her, can you please go take a vacation? And she still has not really gotten the picture very well. Well, they tell her to take a vacation, and then also, yeah, by the way, we need you to help us win the war, like, in the same way. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not a vacation, okay? And by vacation, you mean don't answer any work-related communications for a short period of time. That's what a vacation is. So I had seen Odie's listener question before I read um, that part of the book. And so I had it in mind while I was reading it. And uh, so Odie asks, did we really have to put Jaina through the mental ringer a third time after Dark Journey and Rebel Dream? Um, I kind of interpreted that question as like, did Jaina's characterization in this follow from the other books? And I don't entirely feel like it did. I feel like some of her ideas were put in there to be kind of artificial roadblocks to her having a vacation. And some of her rationales, I just really wanted her to get out of her own head for a while, both because I I think she needs to rest and I like her and want to see her be happier, and also because they just didn't really follow from the kind of revelation she had at the end of of dark journey did you did either of you think that i struggle with this one a little bit because i think that by the end of the enemy lines duology she's doing a heck of a lot better than she was at the end of dark journey and certainly after the end of star by star but at the same time it's not entirely clear how much time passes between enemy lines and Destiny's Way. And the very brief bit we got of her in Traitor, she felt in line with what we see in Destiny's Way. Um, to the point where, depending on how much time has passed, I can understand her sort of... I can understand how she reached this point. Because they've split up her squad... Now, Jag's got her own squadron now. And whatever you think of of shipping aside, the three of them working together was ultimately a good thing. And yeah, she still has Loi there, but she doesn't necessarily have the support system that she did before. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yes, the war is going sort of better, especially once Akbar 
comes in with his plan and does all that. But it's taking a toll on her, especially since now she's even more firmly in the in the military side of things. And up till Jason comes back, she didn't think that her brother was alive. So I don't to answer go to Odie's actual question again. I don't think it was entirely necessary, but I don't. But I do think that it does fit with both the series and I think it works. It just hurts. Hmm. That's a good distinction, I think, between like, does it work and does it hurt? Yes, to both. I agree with that. Yeah, what I, I actually felt like Jaina made sense in this book. Because recovery is not a straight line. And especially when you're dealing with some heavy, heavy trauma issues and you don't really have the time or space or ability to unpack it and make peace with it. Even when you've had good breakthroughs, recovery is not going to be a straight line and you are still going to have bad days. And Jaina has not really had the time to really recover and rest and take a vacation. And suddenly she's back up to her eyeballs and all this military stuff, getting essentially promotions in the middle of war and more and more weight being dropped on her. She just does not have the time or ability to really process a lot of it. And she's going to have a lot of really bad days, even if overall things are getting better, there are still going to be some really annoying, (laughs) like there's going to be a lot more to deal with. It made sense. It felt very realistic to me and especially like that kind of detached, cool despair. That's very, very real. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's like scary real. Like I actually was very impressed with. With like her mental state being there are some bad days in there and when it's bad, it's really bad. Makes a lot of sense. That kind of explains Tahiri's converse, uh, characterization, I think, too, because I think we see that, like, up and down, she has good days and bad days with her. Because in this book, again, her part is brief, but because I love her, I paid more attention to it. She doesn't want to help Jason with the Vong sense. She doesn't want to train to do that. And whereas before, when she was helping Anakin, she was willing to tap into that side of her in a different way in order to help him and order to save herself. Whereas now, she's in this different stage where maybe maybe it's a bad day, you know, maybe she it, it's too painful to tap into that. Or maybe she's just decided, well, that's not really who I am, um, even though she does have this kind of conjoined personality now. I think that you make a good point in that that's not necessarily bad characterization. It's just a different mood. Mm-hmm. Something just occurred to me when you were today talking about that. And I don't want to... I'm going to talk around it since I think it comes up in either the next book or the one after it starts to. Is this a version... Is this Tahiri... A Tahiri who is on her way between her characterization as the only adult in the room on Coruscant with the wraiths to the battles we're going to see her having internally. Ooh. (laughs) Everything I want to say in response to that is probably going to be spoilery, so ask me about that. 
I think that's a yes good maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a yes for okay. me. That's a good way to frame it. Yeah, um, ask me about this if ever we do another spoiler episode. <laughs> well, I think yeah. at that point we're going to have finished the series. <laughs> yes, this problem exactly. <laughs> like, we're literally, I'm pretty sure it comes into play next book or the one after that. Well, then, we'll, I'll revisit that question then, but there are also other things I would like. Never mind. Ask me about that on Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> There is something to be said for the fact that Tahiri isn't a main character in this at all. She is great, but it's not focused on her. It's more focused on Jason, which I think brings us night nice. <laughs> I almost said nightly. It brings us nightly into the Jedi Knight ceremony. <laughs> nightly, yes, yes, I like that. Wait, can I have one minor rant before we dive into the niceness as the Jedi Knight ceremony? Yes. Her name is Tenel Ka. It is not Tenel. This is the only book in the entire freaking Legend series where they say Tenel. And he says it like 18 times in the book. And it drives me crazy every single time. Because yes! that is not her name. Her name is Tenel Ka. Freaking use her name. She's also the queen of 63 worlds. So bow down and respect. That's <laughs> valid. Do we also need to embroider this on a pillow to hit people with? <sighs> yes. the, this is the only book where it happens. That's what makes it me. Yes, it it's really annoying. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. I had to get that out of my system. <laughs> <sighs> no, I agree. Rocky, you have a note in here about um, seeing the young Jedi being recognized is well deserved, but I feel like they've generally referred to as knights for a while now. And I agree. When, yeah, when I, when yeah. Like I feel like, like a lot of them, especially the older ones, like Jaina, Jason, Tanaka, Zach. I feel like they've been referred to as knights since they were like what fifteen, sixteen, or so. Whether or not they were formally so, like it feels like most of the Jedi have been referred to like that. And they're not going around with masters. They're on all these missions on their own, so they're effectively knights in terms of how they're working. Um, and, like, I would say Merker was kind of, like, the graduation yeah. ceremony, the horrible, bloody graduation ceremony for them. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the very same... uh, Hunger Games-style graduation ceremony? Yeah. <laughs> well, something but... that caught my attention when I was reading that part this time was uh, they note that Alima is keeping an eye on, like, Zek and Tahiri and someone else. But then Alima is also knighted in the ceremony. And so that was, I was like, oh, so she was a Jedi Knight already? Was not? I'm very confused. Yeah. I, don't I think know. she was just keeping an eye on them because she was older. Oh, okay. But I, uh -huh. I did, or because she kind of like had experience, because remember, she was leading a rebel cell for a while. She kind of like knew how to be a leader. Oh, but okay. That makes sense. She was also um, in this book so briefly that I couldn't even muster and Alima deserved better because there just wasn't enough with her. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit, um, I felt a little bit defensive when Luke was like, she's not ready to truly be a master yet because she's still working through all of her stuff. But it's okay. I'm fine with it. <laughs> 
yeah, I liked all the pomp and circumstance of the knighting ceremony because, well, Luke clearly knew that it would make a good impression and it would feel hopeful and all of that. Wait, that wasn't Luke, though. It was Calabas, wasn't it? Yeah. Was, Luke I felt was like, like there was some Luke influence in there, but it was primarily, well... <laughs> there I was. felt like there Cal was mostly wanted... government, but there was a, probably some Luke in there. Yeah, Luke wanted it kind of as a... To recognize the Jedi, but Cal was the one that said we should make it public and we should make pomp and circumstance. And then also the Force kind of took over Luke and he, like, spoke a prophecy. That was the thing. Yeah, I love Sword of the Jedi as a title. I really do. (laughs) I don't have anything really deep to say about this scene, except maybe it is interesting that the prophecy says that Jaina will be alone. But I just found that a really, like, nice scene i just really love formal jedi things i'm not going to get out my soapbox about jane always being alone but (laughs) i mean you can if you want this is the time yeah (laughs) we'll be here for even longer than if i get into for sure i mean (laughs) but i just love that imagery of yours is a restless life you're never going to have any peace but you are going to find peace for a lot of other people and I love also at the end of that how Jaina and Luke are just looking at each other like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> well, the Force seems to have an attitude of all of its own. We already knew that. It's the Force. Um, yep. and that is how the Force works. <laughs> yeah. I do like that despite all the pomp and circumstance, which it sounds like it was a very nice ceremony and probably played well for the Holos, I like that Luke makes it a point to have something special and quiet for each one of them and is the little thing where yes. he has to sit cross-legged for Techly and put her hood up is so sweet yeah. yes it's all very personal and, and i like it a lot i like how yeah i like how it's so individual for all of the jedi and it feels like the it feels like the after party afterwards is mostly what they would all want it feels kind of like a fun after ceremony party instead of overly stuffy, or at least when they're left to their own devices here and there, it feels like there's actually some opportunity to have fun. Yeah, they deserve to have fun. They need it. Oh, they need it really badly. Because they keep yeah. being tugged away to squadrons instead of going on vacation. They Yes. <laughs> Although Jason did get his like three week vacation, right? Yeah, something like that. On a raft with Danny Kui. I just I loved in the after party after the nighting ceremony how basically it seems like everyone but Jason knows that knows that Jason and Danny went on a date. Like <laughs> <laughs> Jason's like, oh, that that was okay. <laughs> I love how clueless Jason is. It's so cute. This was another listener question that influenced my reading because now that I'm on the Slack, I read them before I finish the book. Um, with uh, Odie asking, were they seriously trying to make Jason Danny happen or was it a red herring? And I still don't know. I kept that question in mind and I don't know. I like that their date ended with her talking about astrophysics and then. The next time they all got together, Danny had a friend with her. So it, like, wasn't just always her and Jason. So it was, like... <laughs> I think they were trying to make... I think they were trying to make it happen. 
I wasn't aware that there was any question of whether they were trying to make that happen. I think the question is kind of not whether it's trying to happen, but is it going to be long term? Maybe like clearly something is happening, but is it a serious thing or is it like the vacation fling? I mean, I was really like in retrospect, as I'm reading this, I was almost expecting to see a few more of short term wartime flings because everything is on fire or getting invaded and I was kind of expecting to see more of like short-term blings especially when many of our main point of view characters are like teenagers at a time when people are normally starting to figure out this dating thing I mean it kind of makes sense that <laughs> that Jason somehow went on a date and everybody else knew what it was <laughs> Mostly, I just don't like it as someone who always really liked Jason and Tunnelka together. And that's my personarchiness. I am not surprised. <laughs> okay, I'm... I mean... <sighs> uh, I can't say that either. Hold on. Are we both having spoiler-related issues yeah, right now? Yeah, we are. Yes! <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Yeah. I would say put them in the chat, but I think that will just get very confusing very quickly. I'm confused enough already. I don't need any help. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I never particularly liked it. I, I like it as a flame, but honestly, not as a long-term thing. Honestly, I didn't really like it either, especially from the point of view of just, like, I always liked that Danny was career-focused, and that ever since that, like, a one-bit in Vector Prime where it was, like, Jason and Danny are stuck in a ship together. I felt like it was a weirdly forced attraction. So honestly, I'm not a huge fan either. I like Danny as um, her first love is science. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Shall we go into the final battle? Final count. Yes. My the trap. Note- <laughs> I yes, my notes in the type like in our reference here are short, but in my actual paper notes are whoa. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, can you give I us like the highlights? I have so so many little notes, like Han's line, "The United Jedi Cluster Mind." It's I love that. <laughs> They're basically doing the battle meld from KOTOR, and I kind of love that. Yes, yeah. and I love how they all they all kind of drop in, and as every new person kind of enters, they can all f- notice each other popping in, but it's how they're all supporting each other and kind of making up for each other's weaknesses here and there. Yeah, I really like it as a use of the Force. Yeah, yeah. Like, it works for them, and I loved Jason being like, being like the one controlling from a distance and being like somewhere between puppeteer and main switchboard. <laughs> I also have a note somewhere in here. Safong Law is 10,000% sure that this is not an ambush. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that worked out it well. Was... And Naminor realizes it's a trap. 
and then hits his superior over the head and nopes away in typical Nominor fashion. Wow, I have some great notes from this. <laughs> it was so satisfying to see the New Republic actually have the upper hand in this. Yeah, even if it took a little while to confirm that and then Akbar saying, wait a minute, I didn't think about the ground assault very well. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's gotten old. He's doing his best. <sighs> Put him back in the water now. <laughs> I did appreciate that this book meant we got to see Winter again for a little bit. Yes, yes. Made me happy. I did think it was kind of weird that Win- Winter's role is primarily helping Akbar, but I didn't know Winter as well. Like, I didn't, I wasn't super into her, so maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe they were always friends. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tycho and Tycho's off with Wedge, probably losing, winning battles. They tried. They meant to lose. So I, I actually, my assumption is that she is still a part of the insiders. I mm-hmm. would expect so. Yeah, and that she's using that her position, her place there. Because number one, she's like, where can I be most useful? Okay. Helping out Akbar, who is a military genius and might help us win the war. And she has more information than most people probably do, which means yes. she can help influence and uh, guide what he knows. Plus, she's married to Tycho, which means people are probably giving her him and or her military information they're not supposed to. Yes. And also, if she's seemingly Akbar's caretaker, how likely is it that she's going to hear useful things that maybe she wasn't supposed to have heard, but that are endlessly useful? Winter Cell 2. Endlessly useful. Yes. <laughs> like, she is basically, someday this will all come in handy. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, it was... I loved seeing Akbar again, and I loved getting to see him be so awesome. He was very awesome. And he kept... Every time you kind of thought he was too tired, he came back with this amazing plan. The timing, so I had kind of forgotten what Scour's plan was, or that he was the one behind the Alpha Red. So when Scour was like, okay, three months, yeah, I was like, what's going on here? But I think the timing of their conflicting plans really added to the tension toward the end, because you knew that, like, both both plans can't work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do like how they, they seeded that fairly early on in the book. Um, especially with Danny's whole, well, they had us working on something, and then they said, okay, bye, we're going to go work on this in our corner over here. Yeah, and because she is such a nerdy scientist, she doesn't think as much of it as someone like Vergere, who later hears it and says, you have insufficient experience of depravity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't no. forget that it was, that she dealt with it within the same book. Actually, apparently I forgot like uh, everything aside from the knighting ceremony that happened in this book. You know, I forgot that Vergera dealt with Alpha Red. Did she know that it was coming? Is that what her initial depravity comment was about? I'm, and yes, yes. If like, so how? My guess there is that Vergera's lived among the Yuzhanbong who have such incredible biotechnology capability for so long that she's probably run into similar things to Alpha Red, or at least similar ideas. 
And she's smart enough to put a few things together and realize unique sequence for all Yuzhambong life plus scientists who were busy doing something plus knowing, like being able to draw some conclusions about government intrigue and how badly does the New Republic want to win this war. Right, she knew about the genetic key. Yeah, it's probably a matter of she's just accustomed enough to biotechnology to be able to make a logical guess about what's going on. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, out of everyone in this book, like, she's about the only one that I would figure would be able to put all those pieces together. Makes sense. Yeah. Bria, you um, said you didn't remember a lot of this book and, and I think have been generally quiet. Do you, did you like this book overall? Mostly, yeah. Um, I think it's the very last book in that stretch of pretty strong ones for me because I'm not fond of what comes next. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea why I forgot most of what happened in this book. It just didn't appear to sit in my mind. The thing, like I said, the thing that I remember is that they get knighted and that he messes up Tunnel Cosme. <laughs> but this I mean, mostly was... I like it though. It's just not my favorite of, but I don't dislike it. I don't know. Understandable. I found, yeah, it was it was all right. Anything's gonna be difficult after Traitor, but it was all right. Yeah, this was a way better book than I remembered it being, because like I remembered it fondly, but I didn't quite remember like how entertaining it was and things like that. I did like the end. I liked that Jaina is the one to kill Savang Law. Yes. Yeah. And that she yes. does it in like a really cool way with multiple yes. lightsabers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's perfect. I think I I think I would have liked the book a little bit better this time had I, oh, you know, not left my reading to the last minute. Yeah, I agree too. I like I was traveling a lot, so I had to kind of read it when I could, and that made it more of a burden than I would otherwise have been. So I do like disclaimer, I think that did affect my opinion. Yeah. I mean, again, it's still out of the stretch from the first Edge of Victory book to this one. It's probably my least favorite of all of those, but that's also a stretch of very good books. Um, and I do really love everything Kip in this book. <laughs> yes, Kip was absolutely amazing in this book. <laughs> like he's a total highlight for me with his like his conversations with Jaina about the dark side and then everything where he's just like, What the hell to Luke Skywalker? Yeah. Just the can I punch Luke in the face? <laughs> It was it was just so Kip and how when, when Luke says, so can we put Kip on the half Jedi Council? And he's already aware the entire world is going to question like his sanity and touch with reality. Yep. But Kip's good for it. Yeah. I like that he's grown so much over the series. He's a good boy. Oh, <laughs> no, he's not. Reaction. He's not a good boy. Which book was it in which he was described as the blister who reminds you when your shoe doesn't fit? 
Uh, I, I, I want to say that might have been Dark Journey, but I don't remember. Maybe? I don't know. He's His reaction to Luke's change of heart did make sense to me. Yeah. That was... I, I can't blame him for the way he reacted. Yeah. Was it... Was it I can't remember who it was was talking about... Um, what happens to the Kip as a jerk counter when it goes the does it go the other way? If <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we discussed on it. I don't think we ever had an answer to that. It's just it's just funny. We didn't. <laughs> no. But yeah, this is an excellent Kip Duran content, so I am happy. We need a new Kip being mature counter. We're gonna forget to keep track. Maybe we can replace None of us are organized enough the Nogri Depths counter because there are like fewer of them than we expected. I There's thought still like, all I thought I there a lot more, but maybe I was something something going to yell about spoilers later. Something something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, do we need a make Rocky and Bria shut up about spoilers counter? No, I'm not. I, sh- I, it's I, always you. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> what you're referring to so i can only imagine in complete speculation that one of the upcoming books is just star by star but with no gree yeah that's exactly the book (laughs) everyone they go on some magical mythic journey and i'm just gonna point out i have no idea i don't remember what happens in these next three books i've tried to block them out of my head but i kind of remember what happens in these next three books but maybe i don't because I don't remember whether I was sober the last time I read them, so therefore I don't know. Are wait, journey, okay. Speaking of star by star, are all the Voxen dead now? I think they are because they got like nuked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, Ebak was just totally irradiated, so they would be. Yeah, rest in peace, Voxen. In pieces. <laughs> Glowing pieces. Itty bitty. Glowing, Glowing, radioactive, horrifyingly yellow-green pieces. Yeah. Now I have that song in my head. Dang it. Wait. Which song? Radioactive. Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) I was like Tom Lehrer, so. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so it's one more listener question, right? Yes. Yeah. Daniel asks, do you like some of the character development of Jason? Do you, wait, do you think some of the character development of Jason in Traitor got ignored here? I'm going to let you guys take this one. Mm. Honestly, no. I think there were... As we discussed, characters whose development was a little... Didn't really work for me. But Jason's did, actually. It was more... His relationship with Roger was a little more humorous because they weren't in the underworld anymore. But overall, I did think that it fit. Yeah. And the relationship had to change some. Just like you said, they aren't in the underworld anymore. Yeah, yeah. Things are different now that he is definitely back in the world of the living, even if he's not always sure what to do with it. He had to take the training wheels off at some point. Mm-hmm. 
Verger is still the kind of mysterious mentor. Jason is a little more secure in what he's doing, and he even reaches back to like his ability to work with animals at one point, um, which felt you know very consistent with him. Um, he's obviously a little fragile when it comes to Jaina because they're both very fragile with each other, but that's just a change of circumstance. So yeah, overall, I I thought he was fine in this one. Yeah, it seemed to me like change in circumstance, plus he's trying to adjust himself back to the world of the living and figure out what to make of it. He so wears his Yusan Vong, like, tunic for a while, and they have to oh, basically yeah. sit him down and say, please wear okay, real so. clothes, please wear pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, by the way, we do not dress like that around here. <laughs> yes. Pants, man, pants. Yeah, something like that. think we're out of things to talk about yeah, yeah <laughs> and i think our attention spans have finally totally dissolved <laughs> there's a crack i can make about the next three books and how i don't have the attention span for all three of those monsters but yeah well it'll be interesting if any of like the half stuff that i remember does happen i don't know yeah. oh boy okay cool so we had no we had no updates to the counter, right? Any of the counters? I don't think we did. No. Zero Jedi deaths. Well, do we count Verger? Um do we? Hmm. Ooh. Yes. Actually, yeah. I think we do. She's an old Republic Jedi. Yes, I think yes, we do. she counts. Okay, <laughs> she counts. Or went out for the feather bag. We're up to twenty now, guys. <laughs> went out with a feather bang? No. <laughs> wow <laughs> okay Too somebody soon. needs to make me get off the internet and go to bed or something before I say anything else stupid no right. I'm tweeting that right now zero. Kip's a jerk references zero possibly negative one I think you can do the rest Rocky it's mostly reading from a script <laughs> oh I even I can probably manage that yes <laughs> All right, so where do we find all of us on social media? Well, I am Lady Darth Kytus on Twitter, yelling about Star Wars, World of Warcraft, cars, and all sorts of other strange things. I've written for 1138 in the past. Someday maybe I'll even write again. And I've appeared on the Of Dice and Droids podcast. I can be found at blog full of words, yelling about Star Wars, video games, and occasionally cars, because I've learned that I can do that with Rocky and Odie. Um, (laughs) I uh, have been away, I've been on vacation, so I haven't written a lot lately, but I have bylines at StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider and Den of Geek. Uh, I think that's it. Sorry, I was tweeting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just saw that tweet and I'm trying not to like fall off the chair laughing <laughs> I, said, I, I had to it was a thing anyways oh uh you can find me online tweeting at chaos bria where mostly it's just me talking about dragon age lately and i'm not sorry uh you can also see things i write on starwars.com although i really should write more for them because i haven't been lately and occasionally in the back of uh marvel's age of rebellion comics uh there should be a new one coming out fairly soon, I think, that I wrote something for. And I'm also over at Tashi Station. And I think that's it, because I really should try to remember these things and not tweet. 
<laughs> Should, shouldn't we all not tweet? <laughs> but it's all right. Yeah. Hey, I've quit Tumblr, so what else am I going to do with my spare time? <laughs> I, and I'm necessarily well, maybe necessarily bitter about Twitter these days, but maybe unnecessarily. Uh, <laughs> only is bitter about. I'm only better about Twitter because the World of Warcraft corner keeps on, like, catching fire and yelling about things. Hey, that's my fandom life. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> this podcast is distributed as a part of the Tashi Station Network. This podcast has been brought to you in part by your support on Patreon. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed or to the Throncast feeds on iTunes for more episodes. Join us next time when we read Force Heretic Part 1, Refugee, by Sean Williams and Shane Dix. You can read and tweet along with us using the hashtag Bongcast. It may not be spoiler-free. That's all my fault. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening! Thanks for listening!